you for joining us for the Help for Wounded Spirits broadcast. We exist to help those wounded and suffering through life's trials. Here is our host and best-selling author, Doug Carriger. Great to be back with you, folks. We certainly hope this finds you well and in the arms of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that you're experiencing his great joy, you're experiencing his great purpose for your life, that you're bringing honor and glory to him. Now, this week has been quite a week, and uh, we started off this week, we're looking at trials that a family went through and, and everything involved with that, and we started out this week, we had three uh, broadcast in a row dealing with the pastor, the dad, and the trial he went through from a false accusation. And then yesterday, we had one of his kids on, one of his daughters on, and today we're honored to have one of his daughters on. Good morning, sister. Good morning. So just to remind everybody, or if you happen to be just copping on uh, on this day and you missed a couple of days, don't worry, you can go back to the beginning of the week. This is a week you want to go back and listen to. Uh, but we know a lot of things happen, and everything began with a knock on the door at 3 o'clock in the morning. A false accusation had been made. Police showed up. They took the kids away. They uh, Accusations were made. They told people where to go, where to be there on the next morning, what to do, how to handle it, all those types of things. Just craziness is going on, and, and, uh, and, and we're, uh, uh, we are so honored that, that uh, our dear sister's here to talk about it from her her perspective. So, so my friend, uh, it's three o'clock in the morning. I mean, what do you remember? What are they saying to you? What's coming to your mind? Uh, so, uh, I, that, the first time, like, I don't remember anything. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I have like, I have certain parts where I remember little details, but a lot of it is a big blur. Um, I was 13, so it could have been age or just the fact that it was insanity. <laughs> yeah. Um, but. Yeah. yeah. So when's the first time somebody said something to you about what's going on? And do you remember what they said? Uh, so there was, at first there was not really any communication. I know we were, we were originally sent to. Uh, some kind of, I think it's a children's home, or, I think. And then they sent us to like a one lady who does like one night stays with children. And then after that, to a foster home, which um, we were all, we were all kept together, which is definitely the Lord because you don't find four children, all different ages being kept together in foster service. So yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> And so somewhere during that, do they tell you that your parents have been accused of abuse? I mean, what's, what's going, I mean, what are you being told? I mean, somebody's got to be saying something, right? So our, our caseworker, um, and foster parents and our, like the lawyer that they gave us kids, um, which we'd only met with him once or twice, but they were all just saying, basically that our parents didn't want us back and they weren't doing anything to try to get us back. Yeah. They were, with, they were plotting against you guys to divide you up. <laughs> yeah. And that, that was just very strange as like to hear 
um, you know, because then it's very, it's like you don't know how to take that because, I mean, you're not talking to your parents. And yeah, um, we did start, uh, like, we can meet with them uh, once a week, I think. But, like, we couldn't talk to anything about the case related. We just could talk life. So, like, they had a social worker in there at all times. And so nothing could be discussed. So. Mm. So this is now what's playing on your mind. I mean, you're 13, you're in a different school, you're raised in the church, you're going to a Christian school, you and your sisters are living at home. You have a harmonious life. You're, I mean, you're just used to doing what you're doing and all of a sudden, bam, what does that do to your brain? I mean, what does that do to your psyche? Um, well, it probably did a lot, (laughs) but, um, I, I don't know. It was definitely, I mean, we were very blessed to be in a semi-Christian home. I mean, they weren't atheists or anything. Um, so we still went to church every Sunday. Um, so, like, there was some, you know, remembrance, remembrance of God. Um, but it was, it was very strange because you're hearing social workers saying that we were brought up in a cult and... Um, that's the reason we're all messed up and the beliefs we have, it's all just cult-like. Now, where so. in the world do they get this theory you've been brought up with a cult because you worship God? I mean, I, I get it. We're not talking Jehovah's Witnesses. We're not talking Scientology. We're not. We're talking about just Bible-believing Christians that this country was founded on. So, uh, I mean, wow. Well, somebody's feet. So, I guess. So, so let's say this, okay, so that... So one of your siblings accused your parents, and that's what they ran with, right? Yes. So did you know that it was the that the accusation had come from one of your siblings when that was? I, gone? Yeah, I I did know. Um, we we all knew. Um, it, which like me and my younger sister didn't even know like what that meant <laughs> so I, th- I don't remember if anyone explained to us what it was but like I just know me and my younger sister didn't didn't understand like what that was really because yeah yeah <laughs> Which you, I, yeah go ahead um I think part of their their uh, accusation for being in a cult was the fact that they kept saying we were um, uneducated and ignorant and all this stuff. And they actually put, um, I can't remember. I know me and one of your sisters. I think they put all of us yeah. Yeah, in like a special needs program. And like, I had no idea it was for that. I just thought that it was really weird. We were hanging out with this lady teaching me things that I had known since I was like five. So, <laughs> So how long before they realized that you guys I, didn't fit? I don't, I don't know. Cause I, like we weren't, we weren't told anything. We didn't know what was happening. We just thought it was another, Oh, this is part of foster care. We do this type thing. <laughs> so, so yeah, that just it, kept on going on. And you, yeah, I, I think we did it till about when we left or went to go home again, but I don't, I don't remember exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, your other sister yesterday was saying um, that she was asking the teacher for extra work and stuff because she was so bored. 
<laughs> it was just, she was the, you know, you guys were so far ahead of the public school system. And here's these social workers thinking that you guys are ignorant and things of that nature. What a lesson in humility that is. But what's one of the lessons? I mean, you're, you're living the life. I know you're young, you're 13, you're a teenager. What's one of the, the, the lessons that came out in your mind as this thing starts coming to a place of uh, fruition to go home and things like that? What do you look back at and say, man, I got this? Uh, well, looking, like looking back, I was, I mean, I was 13, lived in a Christian home, went to church. I mean, my life was church basically. And like looking back, I, I was, that was, I guess the first time I stepped out on my own and had to claim the faith that I you know, like going to church was kind of my parents' decision. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's good. I get what you're saying now. Yeah. At that point it was like, I had to choose, was this my faith or my parents' faith? And which I didn't quite choose that at 13, but I think it did definitely help. Like looking back, it was like my first time to some degree out of my own. I wasn't out on my own, but definitely choosing god or if that was real to me so yeah let's talk about forgiveness quick i mean you you false accusation forced to homes people making you treating you like you're uh you're at a third grade level or whatever how hard was it to forgive these folks or have you forgiven all these folks um i personally i i don't think it was all that hard which maybe it should have been harder i don't know if it's just like young age but i think we've my whole ever ever since coming home like my parents prayer and desire have been that this would be used and like at first that's kind of a weird thing to pray about because it's like well how can god use this (laughs) yeah yeah but but yeah no it it's definitely yeah, the things he puts us through, right, in Second Corinthians 1, so that we may uh, help others who go through some of those same things. And, uh, you know, so much. Don't go anywhere, folks. I want to come back, and I want to talk to my friend here, and I just really want to get a perspective on forgiveness, living on, moving on, letting go. Hey, hang on a second. Doug will return shortly. Meanwhile, you're hearing this music while radio stations are identifying themselves and broadcasting advertisements. So, you know, looking back and, uh, you know, finding forgiveness, finding these things, I mean, I guess a couple things come to my mind, your relationship with your sisters, your relationship, uh, in the family. Did you see a shift? Was there a change, uh, once you got back home? Uh, there, there was, um, the one that like accused my parents, uh, she, she got, well, she made a profession of faith. So it really seemed like she was trying 
Um, yeah. But it, so it also made a whole lot more sense as far as, you know, if she hadn't been saved, there was no Holy Spirit directly leading her. And I think it made it just a whole lot easier for Satan to win his that that specific battle. Um, but yeah, there was a whole lot. Our our family dynamic changed drastically, and we had a whole lot more communication. Like we had family meetings. <laughs> At first, we had them almost every night, and then you know every week. Now we have them, you know, every month or something like that. Like there's just very open line of communication where, as before, I guess no one noticed how much it is needed in the family. I like that. So it's it's almost like taking and you know, God directs us obviously to have interpersonal relationships. He gives us Matthew eighteen fifteen where we you know confront people, we talk it through, we work it through, and it sounds like you guys are at the forefront of making sure that you don't get to a point where you have to confront one person. Everybody sits down and talks about what's going right or what's going not so right. Is that correct? Yeah. 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 And. Even if we have issues with, you know, like all families, sometimes kids don't like the way parents do something or parents don't like the way kids do something. And so it's like just an open way of communicating without anyone, you know, getting in trouble for how they feel. <laughs> no, I like that a lot. And, uh, yeah, now that's a good thing. Now, going back, and again, I know you've, you've, this is a lot of ground you've already covered uh, <laughs> in life and having to go back and look at these things. But, I mean, did God give you a special place in your heart or, or a great empathy uh, for foster kids, for families in trouble? You mentioned a little while ago, and I want to go back to that, but uh, you had mentioned a little while ago we're going to use this to help others. I mean, did it change your heart in those areas? Uh, yeah, it did. Um, I've, always, I've always loved kids and uh, kids in general, but now it's definitely given more desire to even just sit down and talk with some foster kids because like while waiting for our family meetings um, that we had with social workers, we uh, stayed in this room that had all these other foster kids um, of all different ages. And most of them had terrible home lives. That's why they're taken out. And now they're jumping from foster home to foster home and, just getting kind of an insight on a lot of those other kids. It's yeah. it's very, and to some degree they have no hope. And yeah. And you know, that's the way I think folks, as we're listening to this, this is something that we need to plug into in our lives. Those things that we've been through that maybe cause PTSD, those things that we've been through that cause hurt, those knuckleheads that we've known, those people who've hurt us, those people who go out of the way to damage us, those people who are just creeps and ruin lives and all that thing, all that stuff. We can throw that away and try to never remember it again. We can uh, go to God and get help. But folks, let me tell you, put it into action. Put it into action when people are going through some of those things you went through, like Second Corinthians 1, and uh, put it into action. Sit down and, 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 like my dear friend just said, you know, talk to people, love people. There's an empathy that grows out of things. So so tell us now, I, you mentioned, and, and your dad mentioned this as well, I believe, is, you know, we're going to use this to help other people. How have you done that? How, how do you guys help other people uh, by the junk you've been through? Uh, so personally, I do think at first it was something 
I put aside, you know, I'd rather forget than face it to some degree. Um, but my parents, I mean, they've counseled a whole lot of people and actually God was able to bring a few people that were dealing with a similar situation and they counseled them. And then more recently, um, I guess like bus kids, it's not the same situation, but yeah, bus kids, um, a lot of them have not, not the best home life. And then now that I'm old enough, I'm really looking at getting into children's homes and stuff like that. Oh, that, that's awesome. And, and, you know, I was thinking of that, who comfort us. And at first, second uh, Corinthians one, uh, verse four, who comfort us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort them, which are in any trouble. Uh, so, I mean, you're hitting that right by the comfort where we ourselves are comforted by God for as the sufferings of Christ abound in us. So our consolation also aboundeth in Christ. And so what you were saying is, man, I, I can see this spreading into, uh, you know, homes and, and shelters and with foster kids. Um, now one of the things, uh, that one of the things you and I have in common is we love writing songs. The difference is you can sing them. I cannot, and I, I'm not going to ask you to sing a song. I, it's, let's be clear. My friend has a cold. She's a good singer. She's got a great voice. Um, but thinking about that now, was there a song that was born out of all this? Uh, there, there was actually. <laughs> and what's, can you share a line? Just speak it. We're not asking you to sing or play the piano or anything like that. But <laughs> can you share a line with us? Maybe the chorus. Yeah, so um, it kind of started with um, oh, a life verse that was brought out of this. Yeah. Um, it's Psalm 61, 2, from the end of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And from that, I kind of started thinking, and it was a whole lot of surrender, basically, <laughs> is the moral of it. Yeah. And, um. So the first verse is the broken heart of my surrender. I know it will show me things I never thought you could do. The path I thought that I would travel has led me to a place I never thought I'd be. All my expectations I'm laying down at your feet here are my desires. And then the chorus is, I want you more than the dreams that may never come true. I want you more than the story that I would write. I want you more than the things I think are right for me. Lord, let your will be done. I want you more. Wow. I want you more. And, you know, get into that place, friends. I'm telling you, when you can come out of the worst of worst, when you can wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning as a 13-year-old girl, be dragged out of a house, thrown in a car, meet social workers, go to foster homes, craziness ensues, life is upside down, the government's trying to uh, divide and conquer, trying to get the family to talk about it. All it takes is one lie. So, folks, I, I just want to go back to that. I just want you to know, never underestimate what one lie can do to somebody and uh, never underestimate the power of communication within a family. I, I think I'm walking away with that in my mind. We, we got about a minute left. There's, there's anything you could point at. What would you say to folks to, so this would never happen or what, what would you say to folks that you've learned and you'd like to share? Uh, yeah, I think the biggest thing is like you said, communication, um, with my dad being pastor, my mom, pastor wife, or pastor kids, like that is one of the biggest targets. Um, and often the devil won't start with 
the pastor. He'll start with the kids because they're an easier target. And so I think just people knowing that spiritual warfare is very, very real. And just one of the best ways to combat it is um, having communication with your parents. Because a lot of times parents just, they don't talk to their kids and they think that they're fine because they act fine and do what they're supposed to. But inside it's a whole different battle. So Yeah, no, that's good. Communication, folks. Bible study, family meetings. That's what I'm walking away from here with. Uh, Loving God more, helping out, having empathy. I I love that, sis. I love that you have a new empathy that you're willing. And and let me tell you, this is a cool girl, pretty girl, young lady, great boyfriend. She could just as easily stick her nose in the air, but she wants to be involved. Let's be involved, friends. Well, thank you for being with us, sister. Listen, look forward to you coming back Monday morning. We got a brand new set of uh, shows is coming your way. May God bless you. Thank you for listening to our broadcast. At Help for Wounded Spirits, we believe the Bible and place great importance on you having a personal relationship with your Lord and Savior. The Bible delivers a clear and simple message of salvation, outlining how you can begin your personal relationship now. First, recognize that you are a sinner as all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Second, understand that there is a cost to our sin, as the wages of sin is death. Third, realize that Jesus alone paid that price. To receive salvation, simply ask the Lord to save you in Jesus' name while believing in your heart that He alone can save you, and He will. If we can help you with your salvation, or to direct you to a local church, please do not hesitate to contact us. For additional helpful resources, including our new TV series, more information, or to donate and support this crucial ministry, please visit us at WoundedSpirits.com. May God bless you.